The holidays are winding down, the kids are out for winter break, New Year's is upon us, and the college basketball conference play is about to begin. Let's go! Beljar, hit it! Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things college basketball each and every episode. I'm Mike Randall joining you on the morning of December 26, 2016. Hope you all enjoyed a great holiday or are still enjoying a great holiday, spending time with family, friends, enjoying some fun and laughter because that's what the holiday should be about, shouldn't it? Hope everyone got at least one gift they can enjoy uh, into the 2017 New Year, which is pretty much almost here. I had a great time with my family, my wife. Oh, my wife. She crushed it in the gift department this year. Let me tell you, if we got a competition, I got my head handed to me. I already got to start planning for Valentine's Day. Got to get her back. She actually got me Atari, the Atari console from the 80s. I mean, what's better than that? I did a little Missile Command, a little Space Invaders, Centipede, like George Costanza, I was in the zone with Frogger. And of course, to put a little whipped cream on the old pumpkin pie, I got a brand new basketball, of course. What else could I want? Great job out of her. I hope all you guys also enjoyed my partner Gus Kearns' podcast last week. Let him know about it if you loved it. You can reach him on Twitter at ckearns 12 Really hit it hard with some great analysis of Grayson Allen and a killer diatribe on Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey. Gus had so many great points on McCaffrey, but my absolute favorite was how it is so hypocritical for McCaffrey, who defended his center, Adam Woodbury, and those absurd repeated eye pokes. Remember those three eye pokes he had a couple years ago? Gus nailed it. What an absolute joke. Here's a quote that Gus referenced from McCaffrey's press conference in February of 2015. One of the reporters asked them about the eye poking, McCaffrey just looked at him and said, next question, ask an intelligent question. When that reporter followed up and said, Coach McCaffrey, why is that not an intelligent question? He said, because I said so. Okay. Okay, Coach McCaffrey. He goes on to say, quote, I know the kid. I know what we teach and I know him. I know his character. I know his background. He does not want this attention. He doesn't deserve it. It's not anything malicious, not anything intentional. Really? Okay, coach. Well, I'm glad you said that. I get it. People do dumb things in the heat of the moment when they're angry. Myself, I got into a fight with one of my closest cousins over a flag football game like 20 years ago. It happens. Your competitive juices flow and mistakes are made. But you don't do it over and over again. After we calm down, you think it through. If you're an intelligent person, you realize you made a mistake. And coach, you made a mistake walking off the court after beating North Dakota. You won the game at home. And you erupted because when you were holding the ball to run out the clock, one of the North Dakota players stripped your guy and made a layup. Are you kidding? We're now punishing a losing team for playing hard until the end of the game. Wow. I could get it if this was a blowout coach and you were on the losing end and you felt like they ran it up. It's not appropriate, but it's at least a little more understandable. You won by 11 over North Dakota. The North Dakota head coach is Brian Jones, who coached for eight years at Iowa. And their assistant coach is Jeff Horner, 
who played for Iowa, was Iowa Mr. Basketball in 2002, and is the career leader for three-pointers made in Iowa. And you, Coach McCaffrey, a Siena transplant, not going to shake their hands? Are you out of your mind? Speaking of out of their mind, Gus also lit up Duke guard Grayson Allen, who's trying to get the world to believe that sticking out your foot and tripping someone is as natural a body reaction as turning on the faucet in the morning when you brush your teeth. Do me a favor, everyone. When you get up and brush your teeth in the morning for each of the next three days, before you turn on that faucet, kick your foot against the bottom of the sink. And let me know if that's accidental if you do it three times in a row. Once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. Listen, it's very simple. Grayson Allen is a big-time competitor. The kid plays his guts out. He's a star on Duke, for goodness sake. The guy's a great player. You don't score 16 points in an NCAA championship game as a freshman, which is what Allen did. He was averaging four points per game and only eight minutes per game. You don't do that unless you're a competitive freak. You don't. It doesn't happen. Allen got fired up. When he gets fired up, he gets mad and he trips people. That's his defense mechanism is to trip. Duke players slap the floor. Some people clap to themselves coming down the uh, sideline. Duke players slap the floor. Others, people yell, let's go. Some just yell. He trips. The problem is he doesn't trip himself. He trips other people. And that's a no-no. Kudos for Coach K for doing the right thing and suspending him. I think like three to five games is sufficient. Listen, I don't want Allen off the team. I don't want him gone for a month. It's an anger problem. Get some help and get back on the court. He's a great player. He just has to control the anger. He'll get it right. Enough of this nonsense. Let's hit news and notes. News and notes from the hardwood. A couple big developments in the college basketball universe over the past week. We're going to start with Kansas freshman center Yudoka Azabuki, who is going to miss the rest of the season with a wrist injury. Self had said that Yudoka tore ligaments to his left wrist in practice last Tuesday. They're going to require surgery, and he is out for the remainder of the season. This is very important to the third-ranked Jayhawks because Azabuki, 7 feet, 280 pounds, he had just gone into the starting lineup six games ago after Self became frustrated with Carlton Bragg, who just came back, uh, fortunately, for Kansas. The charges were dropped from the arrest, and Landon Lucas were not performing. Azubuki was averaging 7.5 points, 3.8 rebounds in 15 minutes over the past six games, and he led the team with 18 blocks over the last three games. He was averaging three blocks per game. That is an issue because that hurts them inside. All they have inside now is Landon Lucas, who they were not thrilled with, and Carlton Bragg, who's going to have to step up. What Self did in the UNLV, UNLV game last Thursday, which was the first real road game that they have, is he actually went with a four-guard lineup. He had Mason Graham and Jackson, of course, and he started Zvi Mihailik, who chipped in 20 points, was four of six from three-point range. We know he can stroke it. So Zvi Mihailik started along with Landon Lucas. Zvi Mihailik, a junior from the Ukraine, he's 6'8", 205 pounds, certainly can make those shots, but that's going to hurt them. Listen, Self will get it right. They'll rotate Lucas and Bragg in and out. Not going to get a lot out of the inside position. And Josh Jackson's going to have to rebound now more for Kansas, and he certainly can. He's 6'8". Over the last four games, Jackson's had 12 rebounds, 6 rebounds, 8 and 9. So he's going to have to hit the boards. But Kansas, they should be okay in the Big 12. I mean, it's not like there's a team in that league that has some good guard play and is big inside. Except for maybe Baylor. (laughs) 
but they'll get it right. And and Kansas is now going to be weak inside. Kansas is going to be weak inside. They're going to have trouble. It'd be interesting to see how self adjusts because certainly they're as strong as anyone in the backcourt, but Graham can be streaky. Mason's tremendous. Jackson's got to really sort of blossom as he's been doing as a freshman. And Mihailik is sort of a shooter-only guy. So we have to see what self does, but they take a hit with Azabuki gone for the year. Next up, we head to Chapel Hill, and 6'6'' junior Theo Pinson was cleared by doctors this past week to begin basketball-type activities. While Coach Roy Williams stopped short of setting a date for when Pinson's going to return, he had been sidelined with a broken foot. This is tremendous news for North Carolina. The rich just keep getting richer. Pinson was out indefinitely after he broke a bone in his foot on October 20th. They were thinking 8 to 12 weeks. So basically, since that time, Kenny Williams has been taking the starting role. Problem is, Pinson is pretty much the best defender on the team and can play any position except for center. So the fact that the Tar Heels are playing as well as they are, and they took Kentucky right to the brink, which we talked about, Pinson is a vital guy. He can guard the Malik Monks of the world. He can guard the Frank Masons, the Josh Jacksons. He is a vital part of this team. So when he comes back, Kenny Williams is doing very well from three-point range. He's shooting 41% from three-point range this year. Goes back to the bench. He's a microwave-type guy. Now Roy Williams has both Williams and Nate Britt coming off the bench. Uh, He's got the big guy, Tony Bradley, the freshman, who's got to play some more minutes. So the rich get richer, and you do not want to play this North Carolina team. Theo Pinson coming back. Not a big score. Freshman and sophomore year, he averaged 2.8 and 4.5 points, respectively. He's a huge defensive player. He can go on the other team's best player. He can run the floor. A lot of versatility. He should be back maybe two, three weeks, about five or six games in for North Carolina. So keep your eye on that. Pinson comes back. North Carolina gets even stronger. And now let's take a look at two teams specifically that you should be paying attention to for the rest of the college basketball season. First one is Dayton. Now, Dayton, of course, had the tragedy with Steve McIlvain passing away in May of an undiagnosed heart condition. So they really entered the season with some tragedy. On top of that, they had Kendall Pollard, of course, miss some time with an injury. And then standout Josh Cunningham, the forward who transferred from Bradley, uh, was averaging 12 points per game in two games with the Flyers. He tore a ligament in his left ankle in mid-November, and he is going to be out for three months. But I want you to pay attention to this Dayton team. There's a lot of chemistry on this team. This is a good Dayton Flyer team. They have Charles Cook, Scoochie Smith, Kendall Pollard, and Kyle Davis. All of them are seniors. All of them are starters. Scoochie Smith reached 1,000 points in Dayton's last win over VMI, 92-56. In that game, Sam Miller had 15, Davis had 14, uh, and they tied a school record with 15 three-pointers. That is vital because the Flyers are not big and they're going to struggle right now. All their guys averaging five or four rebounds a game. They're going to struggle without the inside presence. So they're going to have to start making some more threes. But they are senior-laden team. Archie Miller is one of the best young coaches in the country. Dayton is now sitting at 9-3. and three, And they've been up and down, but up and down because of injuries. They lost to St. Mary's at home 61-57 in that noon game where they played without Pollard and without Cunningham. First game without Cunningham, by the way. And then they lost right after St. Mary's. They lost to Nebraska as well 
80 to 78. They lost to Northwestern on Saturday, December 17th in that Chicago game where Northwestern got out to that huge lead. They just lost control of the game. And Dayton, not being a big team inside, is not the type of team that can get behind. They're not a huge pressing team. Cook and Pollard are not great. They were able to spring it on people and actually did well against St. Mary's, closed the gap. But it's something that they're not going to be able to rely on. They have to control tempo Dayton to be successful. This is a team that's going to get hot. They're going to get better. They're the favorites in the A-10. So they open up at home against LaSalle, at St. Bodies, home Rhode Island, at UMass, at Duquesne. I love to see him get 4-1 and one out of that. And then when Cunningham comes back, now they said three months, he's a young kid. I think he's going to recover quicker. We're looking at like mid-February to add him into a team as they make their run into the tournament. You have seniors. You have a great senior point guard in Scoochie Smith. Kyle Davis is the glue guy. Pollard does a little bit of everything. He was injured last year. Cook's sort of a go-to guy for them. They're going to have to make some threes, and they're getting better with guys off the bench. Be weary of Dayton. Pay attention to them. That's a team that as we get closer to tournament time can really do some damage. And the other team I really want you to remember and take a look at is the Virginia Tech Hokies led by coach Buzz Williams, who totally rejuvenated Marquette and is looking to do the same thing in Virginia Tech. There's a buzz there going on in Virginia Tech. No pun intended. He's been there. He's entering his third season now, and he's taken them to a nine-win improvement from the previous year. And their first postseason appearance went to the NIT uh, since 2011. Buzz has taken Tech's win total. They improved by two the first year and nine last year. And this year there are big expectations and no one is talking about them. They're still in the also receiving votes right now, not even ranked. So far, Virginia Tech is 10-1 and one on the year. Their only loss was to a tough Texas A&M team in the Wooden Classic out in California. They lost 68-65. to 65. No shame in that loss. They beat Nebraska the next game. They won at Michigan 73-70, with the way, which the way Michigan's playing is very, very impressive. This is a team that has chemistry again. Buzz Williams does a great job. It doesn't matter who starts, who finishes. And there's no bigger example than that than the leading scorer, senior Zach Liday, 6'7", senior power forward. He had transferred two years ago from South Florida. He's ripping it up. 16.7 points, 7.4 rebounds. He's dominating inside for the Hokies. And by the way, Liday comes off the bench. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's a lineup that's been working for him. He has a selfless team, Buzz Williams, and he teaches that. They have sophomore junior guard, Ahmet Hill. He had the partial tear to the Patel attendant last year. He missed the entire season. He's back. He's averaging second link score, 14.6 points per game, and he's shooting 46% from three-point range. He's 31 of 68 on the entire season. They have Justin Robinson, the point guard, averaging 11.2 points per game, and Seth Allen, the senior, averaging 10.4 points per game. Allen also coming off the bench. So Buzz Williams is doing some great things out there, and I want you to pay attention to this because in the schedule on New Year's Eve, Saturday, December 31st at noon, they are home against number 5 Duke. That's going to be a Duke team without Grayson Allen probably in that game with some freshmen going against a veteran Virginia Tech team. Be careful of that one, folks. Virginia Tech, 10-1 and in the ACC, not ranked. They should be. It's a team you should watch. Buzz Williams doing another great job down in Virginia Tech. And now we can't wait. Conference play is here. It's arrived. Time to take a walk down on Broadway. On Broadway. 
First game we're going to look at is the Big Ten opener for Michigan State and Minnesota. This game's in Minnesota, Wednesday, 9 o'clock p.m., ESPN2. Michigan State, of course, has gone 4-1, and one, a respectable 4-1, and one, after losing freshman star Miles Bridges to an ankle injury. Now, Bridges has been walking around in a boot. He got the boot off before the Oakland game, and Coach Tom Izzo said he was progressing, but he was not playing last Wednesday against Oakland. But you would hope that Miles could play against Minnesota because they're going to need him, folks. Minnesota is a 12-1 and team, 11-0 at home, only lost at Florida State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, this is a decent team at home in the Big Ten. You know, Michigan State's had that killer schedule. Izzo set them up with that really tough schedule, but they are 8-5. and five. They need to get some wins here. You don't want to have too many losses, you know, especially as you start conference playing the Big Ten. They opened the season with a loss to Arizona. They lost to Kentucky. They then beat Florida Gulf Coast. They lost to Baylor. They beat Wichita State. They lost to Duke. And then they had the loss without Bridges at home to Northeastern. So they need a win here. On the road at Minnesota is going to be tough. Hopefully Bridges will be back, but this Bears watching. Michigan State goes to 8-6. and six. We're going to have to start to worry because they have some big-time games of the Big Ten, of course, coming up. They're going to have to play at Indiana. they got Purdue, Michigan twice in, in basically a week, week and a half. So they got some tough games they're going to have to play. You don't want to have too many losses. This would be a nice win for Michigan State and a nice win for Minnesota. A good Big Ten opener matchup. Then the next night, Wednesday, we're going to head on down to the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky to see number 10 Louisville host number 12 Virginia. And this is a show me game. Virginia right now, if you go and look up on ESPN, their leading scores Austin Nichols and his one game of 11 points per game after he has now been removed from the team is still the leading scorer. Virginia is a team that I'm not sold on. They have one loss this year, and that's at home to West Virginia, a team that tried to speed them up and succeeded, which is exactly what Louisville's going to do. So they've played one team that has really pressed them and got up on them and, and made them you know, really see some hard defensive pressure, and they lost at home to a West Virginia team. And now they're facing a Louisville team that's 11-1 and and really maybe, besides one bad half against Baylor, should be undefeated. They just beat Kentucky at home. You have Quentin Snyder playing great basketball. Donovan Mitchell, Dang Adele makes some big shots. Really nice spark on, on offense as well. And they're big inside. They're huge. I don't see a chance that Virginia has in keeping this game close. I would be shocked if Virginia won this game. This is a show-me game. Let's see something out of the Cavaliers. Let's see something 10-1 Virginia. Have a good amount coming back. London Perennis should be able to handle the press, but they don't have scoring. They have to control pace, and it's just very, very difficult in Louisville to control the pace for a Rick Pitino team that historically Rick Pitino teams struggle early, and they always get better as the season goes on. And now they're dominating early. Win over Kentucky. Virginia comes in. I don't see them keeping this one close, but we're going to pay attention. Give me Louisville with at least a 10-point win against Virginia. If they don't, I'll be impressed. But this is a show-me game for Virginia. Let's see if they're really a team that's going to be reckoned with as a top ACC contender this year. Next up, continuing with a great slate of games on Wednesday night, we're going to go to Seton Hall going in and visiting Creighton. Seton Hall 10-2, not ranked. Seton Hall fans think they should be ranked. 
going into Creighton, the number nine team in the country, 12-0, including 7-0 at home. Listen, Seton Hall, I've said this before, show me something in this game. I understand they got some big-time scores, all right? But listen, you played Florida and lost. You played Stanford in Florida and lost. And you're going to hang your hat on that big win over number 16, South Carolina, Madison Square Garden, without Thornwell. I don't want to hear it. You played South Carolina in that game. You won by three. You beat Delaware and you beat Rutgers. And now you're going into Creighton, one of the toughest places to play. You don't think it's a big deal. You're going to get on the plane. You're going to fly in Nebraska. I think Creighton wins this game. Now, look, I am nervous that Creighton could be looking ahead because Creighton, after Seton Hall, gets visited by number one Villanova, and they are ready for that game. So it could be a close game in the first half. Seton Hall's a good team. They can score. They got big-time players across the board that can really fill it up. They have uh, leading scorers Carrington with almost 20 points per game. Delgado's at 14. Rodriguez at 14. And the freshman Powell's at 11. I understand that. They could keep this game close. But the three-point shooting of Creighton is going to be way too much. Patton's going to be tough inside. He's going to battle as well. I expect Creighton to win a game that is going to be a close game to about 10 minutes left. And then Creighton should win, you know, pull ahead and win by close to double digits. Because I do think they're looking ahead to Villanova. But Seton Hall going on the road into Nebraska and to play Creighton. You show me something, Seton Hall. You show me. You prove me wrong. Let me see you going to Creighton and win this game. That game is coming up 8 o'clock Wednesday night. Let's hit the West Coast now and take a look at a fantastic game. Number two, UCLA at number 20, Oregon. Great, great game on Wednesday night late here on the East Coast. 9 o'clock p.m. ESPN2. Number two, UCLA opens the Pac-12 at Number 20, Oregon. Now, Oregon, remember, didn't have Dylan Brooks to start the year, and they lost to at Baylor. Okay, no no shame there. Then they lost the Georgetown game, which was a tough loss, especially Georgetown coming off some shaky you know games and a loss themselves. But since that point, they have won nine straight games. They just beat Fresno State, 75-63. They beat UNLV before that, 83-63. And now they're hosting UCLA. And the huge news for Oregon is Oregon senior forward Chris Boucher. He's missed two games, the UNLV and the Fresno game, due to an ankle injury. He was sitting with a boot on his left foot, similar to Mile Bridges, and crutches. However, when they ended up facing Fresno State, he did not have the boot or the crutches, and that was on December 20th. So it's been a few days since then. We're hoping to get him back in the lineup against UCLA because they're going to need all the hands on deck to make sure they can play UCLA. Dylan Brooks has had some time to get better now. Okay, they should be getting a little healthy. Do I expect Oregon to win this game? No, I do not. But this would be a great win for Oregon. UCLA's had some time off. They've run the table. Really impressive wins. And now they're opening the Pac-12 at Oregon. Big test here. Want to see if Oregon is back on track. Want to see if UCLA is just keeping the momentum going. If they're for real, they're going to start dominating in the Pac-12. Really, really great game here in a tough place to play in Oregon. This could be a get-right game for Oregon to leapfrog themselves back into the conversation for Final Four. A little West Coast love, as Gus would say, UCLA at Oregon. And the last game to round off a great Wednesday slate is number 24, Cincinnati 
at Temple, a battle of two top teams in the American Athletic Conference. This is supposed to be Connecticut's conference this year, but the injuries have ravaged UConn, so they've dropped way down. Cincinnati now looks to be the favorite, and we have Temple coming on strong with the return of point guard Josh Brown, who underwent Achilles surgery in May. But he's been back for a bunch of games. Temple looks really good. And of course, they're led by Obi Anechionia, who's been the leading scorer for the team this year. Anechionia has 16.2 points per game. Freshman Shiz Alston Jr. has been tremendous at 12 points per game as well. This is a good scoring Temple team that likes to shoot some threes and put the ball in the bucket. And they're going to be battling a Cincinnati team in a contrast in styles, which wants to lock you down, play good hard defense across the board, and really challenge you on every single possession. Mick Cronin's team, of course, has played very well this year. The Bearcats are bounced across the board. Jacob Evans with 15, almost 16 points per game. Kyle Washington, Troy Calpain returning last year as the leading scorer. And this has been a real good start to the year for them. They lost a tough game at Butler. They lost to URI. But outside of that, they're 10-2. and two. Uh, Cincinnati can really take a nice road win here in the American if they can win at Temple. 9 o'clock ESPNU. Temple-Cincinnati, really underrated game on a great slate of games for you on the 28th, heading into New Year's Eve. And so there you go, folks. Conference play has started. This is such an exciting time. Maybe the most exciting time next to March Madness, of course, for me for the college basketball season because the the early games are gone. We've seen some big wins. We've seen some some tough losses, interstate rivals. But now we're in the conference play. The teams that know each other the best, and it all gets started this week. I can't wait. Watch these games. Gus and I are going to be back later this week to give you a breakdown, talk about those New Year's Eve games, and then all of a sudden we get into January. We flip the calendars 2017. Get your popcorn ready because the college basketball season really gets started then. It's been great talking to you. Screen the Screener podcast. Remember, tweet us at SDS Podcast on Twitter. You can tweet me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. Tweet Gus at CKearns12. You can rate the podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. We love the five-star ratings. Please feel free to give us that. Email us as well, sdspodcast at gmail.com. We'll read your questions and comments on the air. Thanks so much, folks, for listening in. It's a fun time. Holidays are over. Let's get started. Conference play. Screen the Screener podcast. 